Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Hi everybody, I want to share a verse with you today, just one verse from the book of Philippians. Paul Apostle writes this letter to the church at Philippi. The church there was his very first church that he had established in Asia Minor. So this church had a special place in his heart. They were partnering with him and had a great relationship. But Paul is writing this letter while he's seated in jail. He's awaiting trial before Caesar. And he's very uptight about a couple of little things. You can see in his writings that he's definitely a threat of death. He's saying whether I live or whether I die, he's not sure the way it's going to turn out. At the same time, while he's sitting in jail, there are other preachers out there who are taking advantage of the situation, possibly teaching slightly differently and not painting Paul in the greatest of light. So he's a challenge to the ministry while he's sitting in jail. And also a little later, he actually says, I'm not even sure who's going to be for me, who's working with me in the ministry. He says, except for Timothy. And I'm hoping to send Timothy uh, to you as soon as I can. So Paul is feeling alone. He's feeling isolated, he's in jail, imprisonment, and there's a threat of death, and there's attack on the ministry at the same time. There's a lot weighing on the guy's head and on his mind. Now, he he goes on in in chapter 4, and he he says these words are kind of like kind of shocking. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. In this situation, Paul is rejoicing in the Lord. He knows something that maybe I don't know yet. And then he goes on and says, be anxious for nothing in supplication and prayers. Be anxious for nothing. Paul, there's plenty to be anxious about. There's plenty to be worried about. And he's not going to be worried about. So although he's in a dire situation, there's still something he knows. And I want to go and dive in and have a look. What does Paul know that is so amazing? Well, I think it can be found in chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance. Let me pause. What? All all the trouble that he's having, it's going to turn out okay, Paul's saying. The jail that I'm in, I'm gonna, it's going to be okay. God is going to come through. He's going to turn around for good. And how is it going to turn around for good? For two things. Number one, through your prayers and through the supply of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed. What did Paul know? Well, there's two things there. There's a conjunction word, the, letter, the word and. It's joining the sentence with two thoughts. The first part is prayer. Come on, let's have a look at that. Through your prayers, we know that Paul was a prayer. Right in the very beginning, he says, I thank my God about remembering and in every one of my prayers, I'm praying for you. Paul was praying for them and he knew that they were praying for him. Peter is freed from jail. Jail. Peter was locked away in the inner dungeon. The church were meeting in Mary's house. They were praying for Peter. Right at the time an angel comes in and wakes up Peter, slaps him on the head, come on Peter, we've got to go. The doors open, the angel marches Peter out onto the street. Peter goes along to the house where they were praying and knocks on the door and there Lydia opens and says, ah, it's Peter, it must be a ghost. And she runs away in total amazement and shock. And Peter there was delivered because of the prayers of the saints. The Bible is full of illustrations and examples of where people prayed. I'm thinking back of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 17. He's staying with the the widow woman and her son dies. And he prays for the son and God raises the son back to life. Oh, in a dead situation in your life, when we pray, God can bring life to dead situations. 
James chapter 5 and verse 16 tells us to lay hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and they will recover. So sick people can get well because of prayer. In Mark 9, Jesus is telling the disciples and says, demons will flee, demons will leave. We have authority over demons when we pray and when we fast. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter 1 and verse 17, he says, when we pray, people's eyes and their understanding can be opened. When we pray, the spirit of revelation can come upon them and they can know the hope of their calling and that they, all the power of Almighty God can be released in their lives through prayer. I'm even reminded in the Old Testament of how Moses, he prayed for the children of Israel. When they needed food, he prayed and quail came. And the, uh, when they needed water, they prayed again and water flowed from a rock. Prayer changes things. You know, there was a guy by the name of George Mueller, and I know you know the story, but just listen to it one more time. George was in uh, charge of an orphanage and he had 300 kids in his care. And the nanny came to him one day and said, the kids are all dressed ready for school, but they have nothing to eat and nothing to drink. And George said, send them to the dining room. And he began to pray. Miracles start to happen when we pray. Well, it wasn't long before there was a knock at the door and there at the door stood the baker. And the baker said to uh, George Muller, said, last night I, was, I had you guys on my mind and I, I baked some bread for you and here is fresh loaves for you and for the kids. God answered half the prayer. A couple of minutes later, there was another knock at the door and there was the milkman. The milk cart had broken down right outside the front of the orphanage. And the, the guy said, listen, I can't get all this milk back to the depot. Would you like the milk? And you can have it for free. Oh, right there, God performed a miracle and supplied food and drink for 300 kids. Will we trust him and we believe him and pray? Will we pray for somebody else? Read that verse again. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers. But the verse goes on in the second part, and prayers, and goes on, let's read it. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Years ago, many, many years ago, I finished school, and in South Africa it was the law that after school and you did your education, you had to serve the country with two years military training. And I was called summons to the army. They'd call you either to the Navy, the Air Force, or the army. I was actually sent to the artillery. And for two years, I had to serve there. And you, you leave your mom and your dad one early one morning, three o'clock in the morning. They took us off. We got on a train to a secret destination. 3,000 young guys, all between the ages of 18 and 22. And we had to now serve our country. Now, the military training in South Africa is divided up into two halves. The first year is basic training. That is where they get you equipped, they get you fit, they get you healthy, they do all the medics, they, uh, they, they train you into doing a specific job, either radios or the actual firing of the guns or something like that. And in the second year, they deploy you to action to the front line. And in those days, we were fighting a war. So yes, we did see uh, there was uh, fighting going on at the time. So my first year uh, was well, basics. 
We call it basic training. In fact, I think the Americans call it boot camp or something. But anyhow, it is just like what you see on the movies. Trust me, it's exactly like that. You're dressed in brown overalls and uh, there's nothing fancy or glam about it. And from morning, from early, early, before the sun rises to late at night, they just drive you hard. Press-ups and running and jogging, trying to get your fitness levels up. And they deliberately try and break down that self-will, I can do it all by myself type attitude and try and form you into a cohesive team that will work together so that you can face absolutely everything and anything. Now, I'm not sure if I agree with their tactics, but anyhow, that's where I found myself. Oh, it was a tough time, I must admit. The first six months, six months, no communication with the outside world at all. In fact, they didn't take away our mobile phones because we had none. In those days, there weren't even any mobile phones. So there was no communication. We didn't know what was happening on the news, the weather, nothing. We were just focused on survival at that time. And after the first six months, they changed the rules a little bit and you were allowed to receive mail. The postal system started to work for us. And now you could get a letter from your mom or your dad or your girlfriend and you was, oh my goodness, you take the letter and you go hide away and you read it because guaranteed you're going to cry because you haven't seen anything, you haven't heard anything about life outside of this. These, well, I was pitched in a tent with six other guys, five other guys, six of us all together in the tent. And I tell you what it was. I would say it was abuse. My goodness, it was hard. They would push us until we literally dropped out. I can't tell you how many guys I saw carried off in stretches uh, to the hospital and back. Uh, they were hard times. But occasionally, after the six months, you would get mail or a supply box. Now, I happen to have one with me. You got so excited when you got a supply box. Check the name, oh, that's my name there, that's my army number. Yes, this is my supply box. And now you open it and all the guys would gather around because they wanted to see what was in the supply box. Well, first of all, you take the letter out and you hide it away for later. But once you open up your supply box, oh my goodness, all the goodies. I need this. This stuff was, this is what's going to get me through the next month. I tell you, it's so important. The first thing is toilet paper. Oh my goodness, is this precious? You think you guys had it hard in, during COVID when there was a bit of a shortage of toilet paper? We got given one for a whole week. There was a special technique to make it last. Well, I won't go into details, but thank you, mom, for sending me some, some toilet paper. Oh, that's so, I'll regard that with my life. Oh, yes, mom, of course. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much. I've got toothpaste and, and a bath. So, oh, yeah, I will wash. I promise you, and I'll do my teeth. I promise. <gasps> this is important. Yes, thank goodness she sent me some extra boot polish. I needed the boot polish. You've got to have those boots so shiny. The sergeant wants to see his dirty face in your boots. My goodness, we would polish our boots for absolute hours and buff them to get them. So we went through tons of polish. So glad mom remembered that. Oh, a couple of tins of this and that. Oh, that will help. But I'm looking for something. Oh, there, yeah, we're, there, we're getting there. Warmer. Chocolate. Oh, we need loads of this. And all the guys would try and get their little hands on it. Oh, leave it. It's mine. I'll kill you. Get away. It's my chocolate. Uh, but there's still something more important that I was looking for. Oh, there it is. Condensed milk. Oh my goodness, this, guys would, they'd almost cut off their right arm and give it to you if they could for this. This stuff was like liquid gold. I think you, you take your arm in half and you make a little hole right there and you make another one on the other side so it can breathe. And then you lie on your bunk bed and you just pour it in like that. Mm, and it just dribbles into your mouth until your mouth is full and then you swallow. And my goodness, it is so sweet. It burns all the way down. Oh, it's good. My goodness, like a fix. You need this. And I would cherry 
perish this. This is the only thing that could get you through. My goodness, condensed milk. There was a supply box made available to me to help me through a really hard time in my life. I'm so thankful for my supply boxes that I used to get regularly. Paul was in the similar boat. He was going through a hard time and there was a supply box made available to him. Maybe you're going through a hard time. Maybe you've going, got a tough situation at home, hard situation at work. Maybe there's trouble all surrounding you. I want to tell you that there is a supply available to you. When you're all finished, you're done. When you're deserted and you feel abandoned, I'm telling you that there is a supply box available for you. When there's too much month left at the end of the money, there is a supply available to you. You know, in the Greek uh, language, which the New Testament was written in, there's a word for supply. And I'm not even going to try and pronounce it. It's plularu, something like that. And that word means to, to cause to abound, to fill up, to complete. It is used over and over and over and over in the Bible. And I'm, I was thinking, well, I'm sure that's the word, plaru, where uh, Paul would have used that, but some supply there. But when I researched it, he didn't use that word, plaru. He used a different word. And first of all, I thought, oh my goodness, maybe Paul's lost his marbles. What kind of word is this? It doesn't even say supply. Do you know what the word means? It means on behalf of the chorus. The chorus? What is Paul thinking? That it would, through your prayers, there'll be deliverance and the chorus of this. What are you talking about, Paul? So I did a little bit of research. The Greek word that is used there is epicharagia. Epicharagia. It's made up of two subwords. The first one is epi. We get the word epic from that. It means above. It means uh, uh, beyond, over, basically over and above. Epi. But horagia or kharagia, spell kharagia, kharagia, is on behalf of the choir to defray the costs of the chorus. Well, in Greek culture, and this, this is fact, this isn't made up, they tell of a dance group, a singing group, an actor performing some kind of theatrical group that would get together, and they were called a chorus. Or they will spend hours, days, weeks, months practicing their time, their effort to getting their performance right, the energy that they put into the practice sessions. And finally, they were ready to go on their own, on the road. But there was one problem. They ran out of money. Oh my goodness. After you've given your life, committed all your resources, and now you've finished, you've run out of finances, finished. I tell you what, can you imagine the disappointment? We've given our lives for this and now these, we've finished, maybe got into debt for it, finished, end of the road, kaput, no more. Well, a wealthy businessman heard of their crisis and their plight and he came in and he stepped in. He became their benefactor. And that's where we get the, con the term on behalf of the chorus. He gave funds on behalf of the chorus. He gave a huge financial contribution towards the choir. He supplied all their needs. But this word epicharagia doesn't just mean it's epi, it's over and above, it's beyond. Charagia is the supply to the, the, the chorus and the choir, but it's so much more. It's a huge epic contribution. It's more than enough. It's excessively large. It's abundant. It's overflowing. It's overwhelming. 
Oh, thank you for it, God. This didn't just fix the problem so they could go on the road. It sorted out the entire season so they could travel and they can prepare even the next uh, theatrical performance. That is what we need. That's what Paul was referring to when he wrote that. He said, the deliverance that I'm going to be getting is epic through your prayers and through the benefactor who is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the benefactor. He's the one who's supplying the supply box to us. It's epic. I want to tell you, when you're going through a tough time, when you're going through a hard time, when trouble surrounds you, there is an epic, epic solution. Jesus Christ has sent a supply because of the prayer of the saints, because of your prayers. Those prayers mold together and the supply is made available to you. It is abundant, overflowing, overwhelming. When you feel like you're all done, when you feel like you're kaput, finished, end of the road, I'm telling you there is a supply box. There's something there to get you going again, that gets you through a hard time. When the need exceeds your supply, there is a supply available to you. But I want to read on. Let's read and recap quickly. For I know that will turn out for my deliverance through A, your prayers, B, the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, but last it says that according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Will we pray for somebody? Will we expect a supply? Will we get our hopes up? Because of prayers, I can have that third option. That supply box is coming. That is why Paul could say, I'm rejoicing and I'm not going to be anxious because he knew there was praise coming. There's a supply from a benefactor, Jesus. Hey, when the two meet, my needs are going to be met. I want to ask you a question. When we getting down, when I get down, let me ask myself the question. What happens when I feel down? When, when stuff around me gets too big and I feel that the problem is too big and I can't survive, what do I think about? What am I meditating on? I promised you only one verse, so I'm not going to put this in the sermon. This is for free. It's not part of the service, sermon or anything like this. But Philippians 4 verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, final, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Guys, are we prepared to meditate, to think and ponder the supply box? Are we prepared to get the supply box out and say, Lord, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have given me your grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that healing is mine. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that by your stripes I'm healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider, so I've got everything I need. Thank you. And I start to meditate on the supply. Lord, I want to thank you for what you did with the children of Israel. When they were hungry, you fed them. When they were thirsty, you gave them drink. Lord, I want to thank you that even as miracles happen, I can have those same miracles in my life. Are you prepared to think about and meditate on those things? But I want you to remember sometimes, like Paul was battling because he felt alone. Why don't you connect? Get in your small group. Connect with one another. Because when you connect together, there you can actually encourage each other. When someone testifies and they start to say, do you know what God did for me this week? And they tell the story of how God supernaturally intervened in a situation. They thought it was over, kaput, finished, and God came through for them. It encourages you. It encourages me and builds up our faith. And I say, yes, if God's got a supply box for them, he's got one for me. And I start to get my expectation out. I say, oh, thank you, Lord, for that earnest expectation. I Yes, I'm excited about it. 
I remember I was in church one day and there was a young lady sitting in front of me. Um, some of you will know her very well, so I won't embarrass her with her name. And uh, she was about 12, 13 at the time. And she suddenly, out of the blue, swung around her to me and she said, I'm getting an iPad, a device for my birthday. And she was so excited. And I said, oh man, that's great. That's fantastic. Let me see. She said, I haven't got it yet. I'm only going to get it on my birthday. But you should have seen her smile on her face. She was beaming from ear to ear. From The smile was going right across her face. She was so excited. She had earnest expectation, but she didn't have the device yet. It hadn't arrived. It was still wrapped up in a box somewhere. The supply box was on its way, but she had earnest expectation. She was not going to be denied. A couple of weeks later, I actually saw her sitting in church again. And I tapped her on the shoulder and I said, so did you get it? She says, yeah, I got it. She, she, was, she was more excited beforehand than afterwards. She had, that's the way we should be. We should be so excited. I'm going to get my miracle. I know God is coming through for me. I'm so excited. And when we tap on your door the next week, yeah, I got it. Of course. What were you expecting? Huh? When we pray, miracles happen. When you pray, supply is made. That's how we encourage each other. We're meditating on our supply. I need to meditate on what God has done for you and you meditating what God has done for me. Together we join our faith. We're praying for each other. We encourage each other. Miracles can and do happen. Let me just remind you of a couple that happened in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 3, it says, Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord in verse 19. Are you feeling tired? Are you feeling down? Times of refreshing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for times of refreshing that are coming on me. In Acts chapter 5, all 12 disciples are thrown into jail. All 12 of them, they're locked up in jail. In verse 18 and 19, it says, An angel of the Lord came and set them free. Peter, he's walking along the road. His shadow touches people and they're getting healed. That is a supply. The angels is a supply box. Peter's shadow, what? A shadow can't do anything. It's the supply of the Lord Jesus Christ that's flowing in and through him that makes the miracle happen. In Acts 19, Paul is recorded having extraordinary miracles taking place in his life. In fact, they were praying for napkins and handkerchiefs and sending them around and people were being healed because of that, because of a supply that was made available. They'd lay their hands on people and they'd be filled with Holy Spirit. In Acts 16, verse 18, Paul casts out a demon just with a wording. In the name of Jesus, go and the demons flee. Trust me, that's a supply from Jesus that comes in on the situation at your point of need. Paul and Silas are in jail and they're singing hymns. Oh, they must have been meditating on their supply box. I know they're sitting in jail, right? How hard, beaten in the inner dungeons, in stocks in pain, still praising, rejoicing in the Lord, meditating on what God is going to do for them. A supply, the jail starts, the earthquake starts, and the jail is rocked, rocked and the doors fling open, and they leave. The jailer cries out, hey, what's going on? And it's, do not harm yourself, we are all here. And he takes him home, fixes them up, and they minister to the jailer and his family, and they all give their hearts to Jesus. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 25, he's beaten up, he says, I've been shipwrecked multiple times, stoned multiple times. He's actually spent a day and a night out in the sea, just floating, treading water, waiting to be rescued. That tells me people go through hard times, 
but there's always a supply. There's a supply that is made through. Maybe the supply is just to get through the hard time. Maybe it's a deliverance of an angel. Maybe it's healing for your body, but I don't care what it is. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful for the supply. Three things. Are we prepared to pray for somebody else? I'm praying for you, for your guys to have a supply box. Would you pray for me? Together, we're praying for each other that God would release a supply box for us. And remember, get your expectation up and start to think about it. You know, the Bible says right at the end of chapter 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. I can rejoice because of what God is going to do for me. And I'm not going to be anxious for anything. And he says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, noble, just, I'm going to think on these things. Lord Jesus, I want to say thank you that you have a supply box. It's waiting right there for me. And I'm so excited. I'm getting my hope up, my expectation up that you are supplying everything I need for this life that I'm in. For all the problems, you got the solution. Lord, I want to say thank you that my brothers and sisters and the church family, they are praying for me. Thank you, Lord, that they're not skinnering and criticizing, but they're praying for us as leaders. And Lord, as leaders, we pray for them and we're praying that you would supply them. I pray, Lord God, that healing would be their portion. I'm praying that you would meet everyone of their needs, that Jehovah Jireh would provide their needs. Jehovah Rapha would heal them. Lord, I thank you, if whatever the situation, loneliness, you provide them with friends. Lord God, I thank you for a supply box for my brothers and sisters, for the church congregation. Thank you for that supply box. Lord, bless them, I pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. God bless you guys.